0: Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the US account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in weekly to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Family Biz Show. I'm your host, Michael Columbus, with Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. And we've got a great show lined up for you today. We're really excited to bring uh, Terry Schaefer and Tom Garrity um, on board with us today. And uh, we're going to be talking about the four ways to leverage the crisis and strengthen the rising generation. So, uh, we so what I thought I'd do, um, Tom and Terry, is just let each of you kind of walk us through your journey in terms of how did you end up working in the family business space? Um, you know, what is your background? And uh, give us a little introduction in terms of who, who you are and, you know, what you love about family business. So Tom, would, you know, ask, uh, would you mind kicking us off? No, that's fine. Um, thanks.
0: So great to have everybody. Thanks for being here. Um, so family business, um, it's a weird thing for me. And it, it, it goes way back into my family, but I never thought about, a, about being family businesses. So my great grandfather had a bottling brew works. I, I live in Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. So Allentown Bethlehem, uh, Eastern area. Um, But I never thought anything about that. It was just like, well, you know, he just had this bottling works. And then I had, then when I, as I got older, my mom's dad, so my grandfather, was a big um, family farm businessman. Didn't think anything of it again. Just, you know, it's just what he did. Um, My mom actually got into business in a little dress shop in Main Street. And then I ended up in three family businesses, two of which I became the president of. And it was finally after the second one that I went, you know what, I really like this. Like I'm, I like dealing with some of the emotional and difficult conversations that needed to be had, um, typically not having a strategy and sort of a, a point forward, and I was pretty good at that. And uh, so in 2003, I started Compass Point, and here I am on your, your webinar. So... Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, absolutely, what does Compass Point do? What, do you, what are the things so that you we do, tackle
0: there? Yeah, so you know, literally, I mean all f- working with family businesses, somewhere between five and 100 million. Um, strategic planning, succession planning, next generation development, so helping that next gen work it out. Um, helping the senior generation, you know, find their financial path out and then a lot of family business governance. So, family councils, um, owner's councils, family constitutions, things that can help bring families together to communicate well.
1: Beautiful. Thank you, and uh, welcome aboard. Yeah. Terry, give us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in family businesses today.
2: Hi, Michael, and, and, and um, Tom, Tom's path is very similar to mine, except for all the businesses were sold. So I was the fourth generation of both on my father's side was in the meatpacking business in, um, St. Louis and Cincinnati. My mother's side was in the transportation, steel, and heavy equipment businesses, um, out of, uh, they tr- started in Charleston, West Virginia, but moved to Cincinnati and l- very big into transportation as well. All the businesses were sold before I you know before I got to be eight or nine years of age. So part of it was um, I, and I grew up in a very affluent area of Cincinnati. and I had a lot of friends whose parents were running their family business and they had not sold it or consolidated it or anything like that. So I saw a lot of the things that were going on and I also recognized um, that families are a, a unique, a set of individuals that have different sets of values and different sets of visions that have to be looked at and they don't always coincide with each other. And so when I got out of college, I was, um, I worked for, um, I've worked for over six family owned businesses as a non-family member. And what I really recognized is that, uh, family and business, have to have separate sets of criteria to work from. And that's where the whole four decisions and the seven attribute program really fits into place because it gives them a discipline to all of a sudden set up a structure where uh, things are really understood because they have developed a discipline that helps them grow and it, and it passes from time to time. My focus is on helping the current generation get the next generation onto that disciplined platform. And my sweet spot happens to be those those companies that are between five and 25 million, because that's when that discipline is so critically important. And, And I love what Tom said, you know, family businesses need governance and stuff like that. That's not my strong point. My strong point is on helping them get that discipline in place and then give it to somebody like Tom who can, who, who can really help with developing the governances is from the discipline of the platform that they've built. So perfect. Yeah. Thank and you. My uh, therapist by training. Excellent,
1: uh, so. Which comes in handy. I can imagine. So even we, we, got to, <laughs> we got together and we started to talk a little bit of, you know, about what, where we were going to go and what we wanted to talk about and you know, what we, you know struck on was the four ways to leverage the crisis um, and strengthen the rising generation and that came out of you know the need that the crisis is just different um and there was no right or wrong you know there was just do and survive and get to the other side and whether it was one generation or the other that was making decisions um, you guys looked at this as an opportunity for, you know, the controlling generation to really bring in the next generation and, and start to strengthen their um, attitudes and their abilities, you know, utilizing the crisis as a leveraging point. I just thought that was such a great way to be looking at it. One of the things that we talked about was, you know, um, why sharing the company's story and the, and the history um, is more important today than any other time. Um, so Terry, you want to start with that? Just talk about how family history and family story and right now, why it's so important to really
2: focus well, on that. that? That's like a mooring in the middle of a hurricane. If you have those, if you have those uh, core values, uh, core aspects of what the family's all about, a very strong core purpose, all of a sudden things kind of come together and it provides that disciplined platform that we've all, that I was talking about in my introduction. Um, and it also gives chance to, to modify things for what's going on currently and where you need to get to, to get to, uh, to, uh, to open up new possibilities in a changing and, and, and ever changing market and Global economy, so that's the importance of it, and that's why we're here. Tom, do you want to add something to that? Yeah, I'd
0: add on to that. I think that um, sometimes I don't think we do a very good job as a senior generation of sharing the stories with the next gen about you know the struggles of whether it's in the business, well, especially in the business because if you're trying to bring up the next gen in the biz. Um, really important but i th- I think I think now more than ever is the opportunity to just sh- you know how'd you make it through you know the two thousand eight two thousand nine financial crisis how'd you make it through the um, two thousand three um, recession how'd you make it through two thousand one and 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 the attacks on on um, on America you know it all of those things affected our businesses so much and when we share those stories with our kids i think they're incredibly powerful to kind of bring them into the fold and everything I, I can't say every family but i hear a lot of a lot of parents say you know they just don't get it they're they they do not understand the struggle well share the struggle a little bit share and share the victories so that's where i think the power of the story comes from
1: yeah and- i couldn't agree more and it, we have a a guest coming out in the future um they were uh, a beer company um have been for a long time and they made it through prohibition and you yeah. know so he's we're, we're going to hear that story from from him and you know they felt very strongly about you know how they handled prohibition based on you know what was out there at the time so it was really tough for them to make it through where some people might not have followed all the rules as they were going through. They really felt that they needed to. Um, any stories, you know, when you're talking about the, the companies that you serve and have worked with through the years, any stories where, you know, or examples of stories that you think it's be really strongly important for them to hear that story?
0: Yeah. So I can think of, so I don't know where everybody's from. Um, we've got Nick and Kay and Patrick and Kim. I don't know if we have more than that on here, but anyway. Uh, so I live in, in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is you know in the Northeast of, of the United States. Um, have worked with a company called Mrs. T's Pierogies. So if you've ever had a pierogi. I've, I've... I've
1: eaten many of those pierogies.
0: <laughs> All right, so a nice, nice uh, potato uh, delicacy. Anyway, Tom uh, Twardzik, who is the third generation owner, um, started working with him about nine years ago. And so he got, and this is, his family is from Shenandoah, which is this little coal town in Pennsylvania, which in its heyday was a great, you know, was, it was, it was the Ritz. In 1933, I think, put maybe like 30 to 35,000 men, basically men, I don't think any women, went down in the hole every single day. And, you know, it was a big coal mining. All right, that's all gone away for the most part. And Tom's mom starts this little um, uh, pierogi business in the church basement, making pierogies, you know, for the church, you know, as a church woman, et cetera. And then, or her, gra- his grandmother and then his dad takes the business to the next level, and it kind of becomes—I don't know—60-mile regional or so. Um, and then Tom's now taken this business to be, you know, a full national business. And it—and the stories they tell, um, and how they survived, and how they made it through, you know, the tough, um, just the tough situations. You know, just it, just it. It invigorates them. It it it's it's their sort of ballast of okay, we can take this on too. We'll figure this out, and um, yeah, they're just a great family story. And I think the the big thing of that too is they're not obviously they want to, they want current earnings. You know, they want to make money this quarter, but they're really thinking out in the future. Like you know, this now has to get to the fourth generation. And right. I think that also helps them, you know, in, in terms of their, you know, sort of, again, that the perseverance and, you know, what do we need to do next?
1: Yeah. You know, and I, I think we've talked about it before on the show, but the Simon Sinek video, I don't remember exactly what the title was that he just came out with, where he was talking with his team. And he said, you know, we've been here before. This is not, you know, unprecedented times. And, for for many people they the, the talk you know this is unprecedented times and yes it 's different but it 's not any different than you know the, the the you know the housing market collapse you know and the real estate collapse that was different at that time and the Great Depression was different at that time and Pearl Harbor was different and the World Trade Center was different and so you know these not unprecedented times um, that it's worth talking with the younger generation so that they understand we've weathered this stuff you know and as a family um, it becomes really important that we bond together and i think there's some things that happen when people are hearing those stories and connecting with the fact that they've been there before that it adds a you know a, a moniker of resilience and say you know it's our, our family can our family will and we'll get through this and and make it together and so those sharing of the family stories is super important you know and i would also throw in that the sharing of the family stories not just with the next generation but would i would think with um there are family members that have married into the family and they don't understand family business sometimes at all and so it becomes really important at that point for the non-family members who may be even more scared or you know thinking that this is really very unprecedented times um to hear the fact that no nope, you know we've been here before and we'll get through this it'll be fine um and maybe they might even have stories of their own that need to be shared um and i find that you know just the sharing of story, the sharing of and coming together really makes a, a big difference for our brains think in stories if we if there's something that 's uncompleted if we don't uh, you know it, we, uh, we, we want that story to be completed so uh, this is a great time to be talking about those things. Um, we talk about you know involving the next generation and making sure that you know we're preparing them and getting them ready for. You know, what's to come, um, what are some of the ways that, you know, we can actively involve the next generation and get them, you know, especially today, you know, involved in what's going on. So I'm going to, I'm going to switch it up and Tom, why don't you kick us off on, on that one and then Terry, I'm going to bring that back over to you. Yeah. So I think, I
0: think one of the best places is to get them involved in the strategic planning of the business. Um, Get, in, get, get a strategic plan put together, get them involved in that, get a rhythm to reviewing that, that plan, you know, on, a, on at least a monthly basis. Um, there's so much power in that, that, that being engaged in that process and then the rhythm of doing that process and it starts to train them and develop them. And, and that's how they're gonna become, you know, the next generation of, of business leaders, whatever that might look like in the business. So I think that's that's really the key, um, and of course, you know all the all the and um, you know development you can do in terms of of um, education and um, and moving people around in the organization so they 're not okay, so I come in as the marketing guy or the gal, well, you know get out into manufacturing, get out into shipping and receiving all those experiences, just like the Current gen are going to help them be really powerful in their
1: ability to run the business going forward. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've heard people say, um, and I don't know if you've, both of you have had this experience, but inside of a family business, especially those people that have had two or three or four different positions within the business, just are are, are stronger long term. Because they understand more of the diff, you know each of the different
2: areas better, right? Mm-hmm. More globally, yeah. Yeah. that, that cross pollinization of ideas and of experiences, along with the different age groups, is a is a beehive, and I, I want to use it as a beehive of pollinating new ideas, so that when a pan- pandemic or a major event goes on, all of a sudden they're starting to think think and look at situations on new, in new ways of looking at possibility. And yeah. I, um, I don't know, Michael, if you've, you've heard that with some of your clients. I know I have with mine, Tom, uh, we, we, we all do. And, oh, it's,
1: yeah.
2: and it's really about helping them start to develop that strategy that helps them uh, meet where they have to be a certain part down the road to be able to, to uh, survive as a, not only as a family business, but as a family too. And it's about that interaction that really takes, takes a, 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 uh, a bigger play. Because I I, I've had three or four businesses that I've worked in, um, that had other families working within the family business as workers, laborers and stuff like that. And they're, they're, Uh, multi-generational information was critical on setting it up so that I was in Detroit in the late 70s when you know when Detroit when the country gets a cold Detroit goes into a depression and I don't mean that badly it's just the way that economy was set up and I remember talking to some of the, the people in the plant and they would say you know what when we ran into this in the mid 60s this is what we did did I have any of that knowledge? No. But the owners did. And I said, what is that all about? And that started a chain of conversations that helped them start to look at how they were going to muster the depression of or the, the the recession, country's recession, the depression in Detroit, between 79 and 81.
1: Right. Terry, you and I were talking before the show started about some data that just kind of hit me between the eyes as we're, we're, you know, having this conversation. Um, It was the percentage of the workforce by what year will be millennial and Gen uh, Y. Is that it?
2: Yes, it's exactly it. Uh, The work, I I found something on the internet yesterday and it was, it was from the labor department and the wall street journal. And by 2030, 10 years from now, about 65 to 70 percent of the workforce is going to be in the millennials and the Gen Xers, and that's that goes from about oh late teens at 4.9 percent to uh, around 60 years of age. That's a big spread, and they all have different qualities that they bring to the table that we have to listen to and be open to having discussions on what are they seeing? What are they feeling? What are they, what, how are they, how are they going to address certain things that might come up like this pandemic? Right. How are they going to work through it? So that's the part that really excites me is getting them to start to have a conversation and be open to um, everybody's differences, everybody's backgrounds, um, and, and seeking to understand what's going on in the glo- global sense, and then, and I'm going to use Kindle as in, in sparking a, a learning conversation between multiple generations. It would just be fabulous to see that, and that's one of the things that we as coaches, that's part of our job. Tom, when
1: I, I sorry, sorry, when I heard that data, I wanted to make sure that we talked about that because we are talking about strengthening the rising generation, and Tom one of the things you had mentioned to me was using SWOT analysis and how the power of having both generations doing SWOT analysis, you know, on the business so that you could see some of the things differently. Would you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Sure. So, um, so SWOT analysis is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Um, And, you know, typically in in any of those analyses, there's a, there's a difference of opinion on what's going on you get the generations having that conversation. It's also very powerful. So it's, it's another great way to, Hey, where should, where are we? Where do we need to take the business? You know, what are, and then back into the strategy, what's the plan to go forward? What's our, what's our vision? Um, so it's, yeah, it's just another great tool to really help businesses and, and generations kind of get on the same page about what's going on and where we need to go.
1: And I would throw today, probably, um, we've also talked about sweat, which is just the strength, strengths, weaknesses, and, um, come on. I just had my trends. Thank you. Um, and where the rising generation is just going to see trends differently. And when we have 50, 60% of a workforce coming from that generation, we, you know, and we better, we better understand that a little bit differently. Yep. Um, I, I Like when, when Amazon, when Jeff Bezos is um, thinking strategy, one of the things that he says is, what will still be true five years from now? What will still be true 10 years from now? No matter what happens with technology, no matter what happens in the world, what will still be true? And and if you can if you can really zero in on what's going to be true in my industry five or ten years from now and get ahead of the pack and so for him it was people are always going to want their their products faster they're going to want they're going to want and so that's where prime came out of is the, you know where we were in a world of um, you know maybe shipping things you you would take three five seven days you never thought about having things in two days. Um, before he started to think about that, and that came from the idea that what do we know is going to be true? People are going to want to click that button and have instant gratification with a package sitting on their doorstep, and it drove that. I think some of that thinking from the rising generation, um, there will be trends and there will be ideas and things that we, as you know, the older generation, might miss. And uh, the, the one that has you know smacked me between the eyes. Over the last two months, and probably many of us is the fact that you know the millennials and the Gen Y they want more freedom to work from home and as a guy who was an office guy you know for twenty years, I just didn't see how that could work and how that you know could be uh, effective and um, you lose all of the you know camaraderie and the just the brain power and now we didn't have a choice and so Having successfully navigated this period of time, um, I think it gets really easy to, to start to say, all right, maybe I need to think a little differently sometimes and be open um, sooner than having to wait for a pandemic to change you know, my, my attitude about things. Powerful.
2: Michael, it's, it's interesting you say that because if you look at uh, uh, Gen Z, which is uh, the ones that are coming into the 20s right now, one of the things on the, on the reports that I've seen is they, that interpersonal relationship d- dynamic is lacking in that age group. And possibly what we're talking about there is if people are allowed to l- just work uh, remotely, that st- th- the, the interpersonal development of relationships just is not created that way. I think it's our job as family business coaches and consultants to make sure that those interpersonal relationships are understood that that is part of the gener- that's part of the family dynamics, the family business dynamics and needs to be part of that strategy as well. So uh, I just throwing that out there because I, when I saw that I'm sitting there going, wow, are, are they going to miss out on something that they, um, just did not get become, because they grew up with such, uh, such a, a great amount of technology that we did not have when we were kids.
1: Right, right. No, I think that's a really good point, Terry, is that to focus on the balance. Any, you know, even my team has said, I miss being in the office, you know, and it's now that we've been done this for two months. Um, but it would be really nice to balance those things and be open to other possibilities would go down the road what are some other ways you know that that you might think about amplifying the smarts and capabilities of the next generation what are some of the other tools and uh, conversations that need to be need to be happening with the next gen who wants to jump on that
2: well you know i'm i'm going to i'm going to th- throw something out that i heard very vividly yesterday on a, on a, on a call and um, most of our colleagues within Gravitas are getting calls about, we want to spend time on strategy because strategy pushes top line um, uh, revenues. And the whole concept here is where are we going to find, if if the whole economy implodes, where do we need to be to be able to survive? And so they're talking about strategy. And I think that in family businesses, that part is critical to make sure that the family doctrine is probably the best word I can think of um, is communicated and well understood, like the Europeans do it, um, so that it, 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 it's an honor to be invited into the family business, not just a, uh, inherited uh, inherited thought process, and. this is this is part that I think that we're going to start to see the difference in not only in family businesses but all in all kinds of businesses what is the strategy that's going to keep us alive keep us from going under and it's important that the family recognizes it as well and be able to go back to what we talked about before some of the ideas that went, some of the other generations have and being able to integrate it nicely into a plan that really gets them to where they wanna to go.
1: Tom, take that, I wanna just bounce off of Terry's comment there just a little bit. We've talked about strategy um, several times. Can you just define what strategy is to you? And then what's the difference between strategy and execution? Yeah, so I think, um, so strategy
0: is the plan. You know, Where are we? Where do we wanna go? What's the plan to get there? It's, 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 it's defining this, you know, the first thing is defining where we are secondly where do we want to go and it's the plan to get there and it, you know right now it just seems so outrageous to think oh my god how could we think out 10 <coughs> years or 20 years from now but having at least at least a little bit of vision is you know it's it's inspiring it's kind of like all right that's where we're headed that's what we're doing um difference between that and execution of course is is literally that and so it's a rhythm of, okay, we said we're going to do this, kind of bring that big strategy back down into what are we going to do this quarter? Who owns those, what we call rocks in our, our, our vernacular, who owns that priority and how are we doing and making sure we're, we're incrementally moving it forward, moving it forward, get done with that quarter next quarter, moving it forward, moving it forward. So um, that's the big difference is, is accountability, it's metrics, you know, you know, how are you measuring that accountability? And then a rhythm to review it over and over again.
1: Good, so in other words, what you're saying is uh, strategy is more that, it, right now, like you said, it's hard to think more than 12 months or three months sometimes, but strategy is typically that greater than one year greater than three years, maybe even five or 10 years out there where execution is, what am I doing day to day to bring home the bacon? How do we, how yeah. do, how do we make these things happen?
0: And, and even in this environment, a strategy can be, so what are we gonna do the next 90 days? What's the next quarter look like, right? Instead of getting, you know, like, oh my gosh, we can't even imagine thinking, out, well, then don't, just
1: think next 90 days. Right, yeah. so, yeah. Okay. Um, what are some of the other, you know, we started this by the actions you can take today as the leader to amplify the smarts and capabilities of the next gen. Are there other things that, you know, you would like to propose or like to talk about that, you know, as a leader, I could work with my next generation, other, you know, family members can, you know, family leaders can work with their next gen. What are some of the other ways to amplify that? And, uh, build upon their smarts and capabilities. So are you asking this to yeah, sorry, the participants uh, you know what, or? No, no, no. <laughs> you know what? I, I had started it off with Terry and I was throwing it back to you, Tom, I apologize. Well, you know what, of- let, me,
2: let me throw something in here. Sure. I had, I had a, a gentleman who was in the, uh, he, was, he was a big contractor in the Baltimore area and one of the things that um, uh, he had two kids that we were bringing to the, comp- the company. And he said, you know, one of the things I want to have them recognize is that uh, we don't have all the, the answers, but we we do want to be open. And this is one of the companies that had three or three or four other families working within the business as as part of the man uh, leadership team. Um, what he did was he took uh, he, he had one of his uh, friendly competitors uh, hire his son. And I think Mike, I told you this story. Uh, uh, my I hired his son, and he hired his competitor's son, so that they could educate them on things that were done differently, so they recognize the capabilities that what we do is not set in stone. It's flexible. It's got some. It's got some breath and depth to it. And that happened for two years. And he said the results on it was both of the owners. We got together and they said, what did we learn from this? And it says that our, our kids are capable of taking over the business if we let the reins go and let them understand the principles from which we work. And I thought that was an interesting story to, to put in here of try something. If it doesn't work, pull it back. But you have to be flexible to want to try something. And you want to be able to open up to the learning that you, that you gain from trying something that might be outside of the of your norm. I hope I queued something up for you, Tom.
0: Yeah, well, I'd love to hear from you guys, like Nick and Frank and Kay, Lori, Kim, Patrick. What are, are, what's on your mind? Why'd you you sign up? What's, what are you thinking about? Because we can, you know, I think the best thing we can do is share stories of how we have found other families to navigate just the challenges of being a family business. Go ahead, Frank. Okay, I'll I'll speak. You know, I I came on here to learn more about how other families are uh, dealing with you know things that come up, compensation plans, things like that for uh, uh, with their kids, how they handle these different types of things, how they handle handle it when they disagree on different types of things that uh, that go on and you know i'm here basically just listening to to see what other what other folks are going through and nick is my son as well and kimberly's on here as well she's my wife so uh i think we're kind of listening in to see how how other folks are handling these types of issues yeah all right if you um if you google anything around family constitution or if you go on our website which is compasspt.com. You'll learn all of what you're talking about is, is family governance. And it's a big deal. And the more you can get that done before an issue becomes an issue, right? I'm sure as all of you are they're going, Yeah, 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 we're right in the middle of that. The better. So um you, you decide on, okay, so do you get in because of your last name or do you actually have to be competent? Do you who do you report to? Or are we gonna to report to other, you know, within my family or do I have to report to somebody outside of my family? So there's a lot of things you can do with governance that will solve a lot of that, Frank. And, um, and you need, you know, kind of need somebody to help you walk through all of that. I would say the first place to start is a constitution. So if you family business constitution, look that up, you'll kind of get some outline of it. If you don't find anything, certainly reach back to me and, and um, can help you start finding some guidelines on that.
1: Yeah. A lot of times I would say people wing it, you know, it's, I got my kid, me me and my father, when I, when I came in, there was no constitution. Dad had been a financial advisor in the classical sense, you know, started with a a big insurance company and found his way into working with family-owned businesses. Um, And we did not, have a way of making decisions together. Um, it was him and his partner and Michael, you fit in wherever you fit in. Um, and it got to a point for us that it was just easier for me to, you know, we stayed in the same office, but I started my own company. Um, it just, it was just different. We, and we made that decision together based on the fact that dad was inflexible dad wanted to do it his way only, and there wasn't a conversation. Um, and that, you know, the only way I was going to survive in that was to do it my, do it my way. To me, that what you're, what we're talking about right now and family governance and how we make decisions together and having those conversations with families was so important to my father. You know, he just wanted to, you know, get more assets under management let's just, you know, let, let, we do great estate planning work. We do all this, you know, wonderful technical work, but you know, Michael, the emotional stuff and family business decisions—we don't have to do that stuff. Um, and and I had just a little different way of looking at it. I think it's all-encompassing. I think it's all of these pieces are important, and it's especially in some of the smaller areas like Tom, where you're from in upstate New York. I don't think you have, you know, the professionals that understand what governance is all about in every one of those communities. And, and so, you know, if you think about it, every other business that's out there, they have a way of making decisions. You know, they have an HR department that was set up at one point or another, and they had to decide how they were gonna make all these decisions, how we're gonna hire people, what are we gonna do? Um, They, they created an executive leadership team. And that's really for us as family owned businesses to start to say, how do we professionalize our business? And the more work we do around that today, um, the better we'll, the better we'll be today. I don't have one of my kids in the business. They're all in their twenties. Um, we'll see, see what happens, but Kay is my next gen. And we do fight like a father and daughter most of the time. Um, and, and we're learning to, you know, put these pieces together. Yeah, <laughs> 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 she, she will agree. He's and for us, day. like some of the things that we did, you know, and, and Tom, I know that you believe in this stuff is doing, you know, a disc profile and, and doing some, you know, learning about each other's styles and, um, you know, how do you communicate? How do you need to be talked about? How do you need to be valued? Um, it means something. And it's, they're difficult conversations, especially as, um, you know, father, son, mom and, you know, mom and son, Um, it's, you know, Frank and Kim, you guys, you know, you, you you do this together for a long time before Nick came along, I'm sure. And so it's like, you know, you guys share the same values in many, many areas and no ways to work those things out. So now how do you bring Nick into this to say, you know, where do we go from here?
2: Yeah, I will say, um,
1: one of the most helpful things
0: for our team has been to go through different, like multiple and different personality profile assessments. Um, And I think that that's especially helpful for families as well. So most of our clients, we've had them go through that exact exercise just to understand, you know, here's why I think the way that I do, um, and here's why I act the way that I do within the company. It's super helpful.
1: Yeah. So we, we, Tom and and Tom or Terry, you guys know, you know, jump in here. Uh, We use Colby, K-O-L-B-E. We use DISC. Um, And then we just started, we just did this, we went to the Y Institute and determined, you know, what your, your why was we, and that has been super insightful for us to have some really neat conversations as a team. Um, It also helps us in hiring because the last thing we want to do is hire somebody that's just like us because they're going to want to do you know, exactly the same things that we want to do. And that's not the way it works. Terry, as a, as a social worker, you've done a lot of work in, the, in those areas. Any other, you know,
2: I, I always start off with uh, with the strength finders by uh, Tom Rath and Marcus Buckingham. It's a very simple little book. It's, it's all there. It's got 38 different profiles and for a uh, $25 in, uh, investment, all of a sudden, you're going to start to, and and um, you can look at uh, the five top. Um, well, you can look at all 36 uh, strengths with the top five that uh, when you come to the table, those are going to be the way you demonstrate how you behave and how what's, you What's the name of that book? Strength Finders 2.0 by Tom Rath and Marcus Buckingham. And it's a fabulous book on just getting... To understand how people process information how they look at the world and how they're going to show up and it um it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to figure it all out and when you have somebody who is very strategic which which is my one of my high uh, ones i will look at it in a strategic t- type of way Whereas Michael might be more along the lines of, uh, of another way. And I will ask him, let's see if we could find a common medium where we can agree on a plan of action because we're looking at it. We're looking at that situation in two different ways of, um, uh, of approaching it. And it's more of a systems orientation. So, uh, I, I, that's why I went to social work school and that's why I became a family therapist is because I wanted to see systems working together and also explore what's getting in the way of the system so it does not breathe properly and it does not expand on the capabilities that are within the people there. Does that help?
1: Yeah, no, thank you.
2: Tom, any, uh,
1: oh, go ahead, Frank. Did,
2: did you no, wanna no. say something?
1: Tom, any other, anything you wanna add into that? Yeah, I just, I think
0: that to me, the most interesting thing about all these assessments is, the, is you come out of there and go, first of all, if you've ever done one, you're like, oh my gosh, how did, they, how did that come out like this? Like, how did they know just right. based on what I'm typing? But you also become appreciative of, okay, well, that's the way I'm wired and other people are wired another way, and we can figure out how to communicate with one another. And it's not a battle or a, you know, I gotta win this. It's, you just understand, hey, people are coming from different directions, and there's a lot going on up here, you know, neuroscienceally, and, and these assessments
1: can kind of help you see that. Yeah. I have a, a great example of that of a construction company that I work with. Um, we're, my dad worked with the grandparents I, and then the G2. I work with G2 and G3 and we're bringing in G4. They're all, you know, it's, uh, you know, big machinery. It's you know, all guys. There's only, you know, one woman in the business, one sister. And so when I started to introduce this idea of how do we communicate better and personalities, you can imagine the pushback I got from this crew. This was not going to happen. They were not going to have these these conversations. We don't do touchy feely, Mike. Um, and I'm like, so let me let me help you with this a little bit. And this is where you know if you've been on here before, I, I know I go back to some of the same stories, but the Metallica movie, um, some kind of monster. Um, Metallica was imploding back in the '90s and going through a tough spot, and they're not a family. But if you think about how close they were and how they treat you know, they treat their band as a business, and they travel together, it is like a family. They spend an awful lot of time together. So when you watch this documentary, they brought in a performance coach, a business coach, to help them figure this stuff out. So I highly recommend to all my family businesses to watch some kind of monster. You don't have to be a Metallica fan. My wife, who hates that kind of music, watched the movie and said, those guys are really interesting and you'll see the emotional maturity of one of the hardest rock bands, the most successful bands out there. And so when I, you know, introduced these ideas to the construction guys, I said, you tell me when you're cooler than Metallica, and then we'll take your advice over theirs. Um, so that was my, you know, nice, easy way to, to put that in there. And the kids who were familiar with Metallica came back and said, he's right if it's if this is good enough for them to do this kind of work then we really need to be open to it and the conversations that we've had as a family and how they communicate with each other is a thousand times more respectful you know I, there was times when i thought we were going to have to break up fights literal fist fights between brothers and cousins as we you know started this and now they have conversations that are you know they're wonderful meaning conversations and it's okay to be different so Thank you. I did not expect to go in this direction as we were talking about this. That's why I love these conversations because you you start having, you know, these conversations and you don't know where it's going to go when it comes to family. So, Frank, thanks for popping in and helping us uh, find a little bit more there. What else? Yeah, you, we've got some more time. Any questions? What else would you like to throw at us? How can we help? We'll let it go. All right. Um I, I would throw, you know, there's... um some of the other books that I think that are helpful um, is there's a a book out there by uh, James Hughes um, and Susan, I can never pronounce her name. Find J Hughes, James H Hughes. It's called Complete Family Wealth. And I think that that's worth reading because when you start thinking about the family business and the family's wealth, it's multifaceted. There is, the human capital that the family has and the relational capital is just, that's a great way to start looking at some of these things differently. Um, When we talk about leaders of the business, you know, and I think this is perfect timing. um, What are some of the mindsets? What are some of the things that hold the family business back and possibly contribute to the failures, um, you know, in succession planning? Tom, you want to jump in on that?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just uh, just a, sort of a mentality of, all right, next next gen is coming in and, you know, they, let, let's assume they've worked hard. They may not have. They may not have had a lot of that, but let's say they have. Um, and then it's just this sort of mentality of, of um, and I don't know that when I think about our clients that that some of that next gen actually thinks this, but it's, I don't need to learn anything more. I don't need to, I don't need to go to school. I don't need to you know, get to workshops. I don't need to whatever. So I think the biggest thing that next gen can do is just that continual drive of learn, 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 learn push yourself to learn and network your butt off. Meet with other people, meet with your generation, meet with the next gen, Keep, keep that development so that your network keeps expanding and that network keeps helping you grow.
1: And I would add to that, I think that that, that learning mentality, um, when that's <clears throat> held by the leaders, that makes an awful big difference. Um, it needs to be modeled so that uh, everybody's constantly learning and looking for, you know, how else do we grow and how else do we change? Um, I you know, I can't say it enough, Leader, l- leaders are learners.
2: Terry, when you- what? I wanna throw something in on what, um, what Tom was saying. I wrote down, <clears throat> challenge your assumption. Um, with the four different, with the five different generations in the workplace, there is a bandwidth of knowledge that needs to be tapped into, and it can't go to the grave with the, previous, with the elder um, uh, generation. Um, that stuff needs to be documented somehow, whether it do, do it vid, video, video, or audio or scrapbooks or whatever, that part of what the family dynamics is all about, what their, what, what their, what their story happens to be and uncover any of those secrets that might be conditionally holding the family back from their own greatness. I think that challenge, challenging those assumptions is critical and being, um, being a lifelong learner, just being open to, wow, we had never thought of it that way. And how do we start to explore something completely new that is going to let us hack our business out into cleaner waters that we can dominate that market? And... And that's, that's, I think that's critically important here is, is, is really challenge what, what worked before might not take you to where you want to go. Yeah, and I think
1: I would, I would add to that, again, thinking about me and my father, when we started talking about doing growth planning for businesses and helping them to create strategy, you know, his answer was that's not what we do you know, we're, we help, you know, they figure out how to grow the money and make the money, and then we'll invest it for them. And, and we'll do the estate plan. And, you know, I, the family that we served, there was, he served mom and dad, and then the, and then the three siblings. And when I came in, we're just in the process of moving from the three siblings to the uh, six cousins, you know, and, and the, the, what we said was, you know, their concern was, we've been doing the same level of revenue and it's fed our three families fine. But how do we feed all of these if they all want the same lifestyle that we had? There's only one way that you do that is you grow it. And uh, thank goodness that, you know, we did. They went from 10 million to, they're almost at 40 million in the last three years. Um, And and all that was is they changed their assumptions, Terry, just like you said, and they challenged... Then G2, G2 said to me, we will never be a $20 million company. I will eat my shirt. If you think you're going to double revenues in the next three years, we more than doubled revenues um, in that time frame, And, and that's, it, it's, like you said, just changing the dynamic of how they thought the G3 did not have the same hangups that G2 did. So I, the question that I was, was asking earlier, what are some of the mindsets that are holding family business leaders back? It's that, well, we've always done it this way. There's one of the, there's one of the big ones, you know, and not challenging yourself. Um, it's 1257, uh, take a couple minutes, Tom, then, then Terry, just, you know, what are your parting thoughts? How do people reach you if they want to, re- you know, if they would like to reach you? What do you, you know, if you had to put it into a, a sentence or two, what is it that you love most about family businesses? What did you like about our conversation today? What, uh, where would you take it?
0: Yeah, all right, so you can catch me. You can find me on compass, dot tcom um, and check out our website and then you can find my contact info. I think the biggest thing, you know, as we were thinking about this, Michael, is, is this, this um, generational transition. And I like to call it, gotta let the kids out of the basement. You just have to at some point say, you know what? You're pretty smart. We need to start working together. Um, let's get to the table together. Let's talk through these tough issues together and let's, let's figure out what our future is. Um, and Versus, I'll, I have it all figured out. You know, I'm a gray hair. I'll have it all figured out and I'll tell you what we're gonna do. No, come together because that's gonna make that transition I mean, come on, you know, what do we got? 33% make it to second, 12% to third, 4% to fourth. There's a reason for that, It's because we stopped doing this kind of work. Um, so get your, get your kids out, of, you know, I don't mean literally in the basement, but out of the basement, talk to them and start planning together and figure out your future.
1: Yeah, I, I love that, that analogy when I, when I wrote my first book, it was, I talked about the, the parent transition, and it's really up to the parents to make that transition. Yeah. Because when they're, when they're 12, they still need a parent, you know, but somewhere between 12 and well, if my kids are in the mix, 20 something, (laughs) they, they, they stop needing the parents so much and they need somebody to coach them. They need to make their mistakes. They need, you know, a coach doesn't, run the ball for them. The coach doesn't go out and make the hole and, you know, on the football field for them. The coach just tells them what to do and until they get it right, you know, they, they watch. And then there's that transition from, from just being a coach to being a colleague and, and knowing that, you know, we're in business, you know, I'm always going to be your dad, but as, as a, we're now we're business partners and somewhere you need to make that, you know, transition, um, to that phase. And those are tough, tough transitions. Yeah. My my wife's mother has never made that transition. And I'm going to put, I should I not record this, but, you know, two, three years ago, the, the, at the last election, you know, she told her, well, you're going to vote for this person, right? Because of this reason and this reason and this reason. And we're like, you realize that, you know, it, it, there was a whole better way to have that conversation maybe. <laughs> um, and that's interesting. Yeah, Ter- Terry, how do people get a hold of you? What do you want to send um, us off with?
2: My offer. My offering is with. Uh, I have a company called, or I have an offering called Profitable Family Businesses. Dot Biz, and uh, Terry at TerrySchaefer. and the last name is S C H A E F E R, is my email. Um, one of the things that I look at that that's interesting about this industry is no family is ever the same. The business has a platform mm-hmm. from and a discipline that it needs to be put on. And the family needs to develop their own discipline on how they want the next generation to become a, 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 a live element of growth. And that's the part that we need to, as Tom says, we need to help them start to grow up, take them out of the basement. Matter of fact, send them out to have some experiences and then bring them back because it's those experiences that will help them develop the next uh, generation of where the business is going to go and where the f- family's going to go. So I'm a big proponent on take three to five years to make sure that those kids, as they come through, they get an education outside of the family business and can bring that learning back into the family business.
1: Yeah. Great point. Love it. Well, thank you all for joining us. As I said, my name is Michael Columbus. This is the family biz show. Um, And we will be getting these episodes out for uh, your viewing pleasure very shortly. Uh, Next week's guest is George Isaac. Um, George and I great story. We met, uh, in london we were speaking at a family business conference in london england in 2013 and we just recently reconnected Um, so we're going to bring him on and uh it'll be a great show next week so thank you all for joining us and uh have a great day thank you very much everybody thank you Bye -bye.
2: bye bye
0: Thanks for listening to the family biz show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough Add a business to that. And it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with the family biz show.
1: The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.